back to Dr. CarCast Automotive News Updates. I'm your host, Dan Lacey. As we look at a few things going on around the countryside, first off, the U.S. assembly plants are being underutilized right now. Through this whole EV transition, uh, global data says that basically 61%, 62% of utilization is taking place in facilities. In other words, that is the percentage of production space that is being used. Back in 2018, prior to the pandemic, it was about 80 to 81%, quite a far difference from, uh, well, what they want in the industry. And although the transition to EVs is going, we'll call it somewhat smoothly, the transition or the ability to utilize those facilities in both manners for EV and internal combustion engine vehicles, it's a little bit cumbersome and problematic. Well, you probably know the news. You've probably heard about this for the last six weeks you've heard about it, and that is that the UAW, the United Auto Workers, are on strike and primarily against the big three, that is Ford, GM, and Stellantis, Stellantis being the Chrysler Group. In this whole procedure of strikes and antics and plays back and forth, it has been interesting to see the difference of opinion as far as what the pay rate should be. Back six weeks ago, the UAW was asking for a 40% increase in salaries for their workers. Now, the workers that are in play at the factories, uh, well, they're about 150,000 workers that we are talking about. Uh, one of the things that comes into play as far as the Pay increase is also benefits, obviously. And lastly, how quickly you can get to top tier pay level. It used to be seven to eight years in some instances. They are wanting it to be down, that is the UAW, to two to three years. They're working on it. After six weeks, they've come to a, well, an agreement to disagree. It could get uglier, but this is where we're at. Right now, the UAW has asked and wanted now a 25% pay raise increase instead of the 40 that initially asked for. In addition to that, the uh, UAW has done something a little bit more drastic this last week, actually two days ago, and that is they put a big old strike picket line on uh, Stellantis on a Ram 1500 plant. Uh, 6,800 workers joined the picket lines. And guess what? The company was not very happy. Matter of fact, they were outraged. They were outraged at Sean Fain and the UAW, uh, Sean Fain being the president of the UAW. And he said, quote, we just felt like it was time to turn it up. That is the heat. Uh, Stellantis issued a blistering response. We are outraged at the UAW uh, that they've chosen to expand its strike action against Stellantis. The UAW's continued disturbing strategy of wounding all the Detroit Three will have long-lasting consequences, the company said. And it says, with every decision to strike, the UAW sacrifices domestic market share to non-union competition. These actions not only decrease our market share, but also our impact to profitability and therefore our ability to compete, invest, and preserve the record profit sharing uh, payments that our employees have enjoyed over the past two years. The workers also weighed in, as, by the way, right now 40,000 UAW workers are now on strike 
in the picket line, again, of those about 150,000 workers we're talking about, some of the workers said this, uh, we will follow him. That is Fain. Uh, I support what he's doing 100%. Another guy said, hey, Fain hit them hard by going after the company's bread and butter. That is the bigger plants. Uh, by the way, it wasn't just Stellantis and the uh, Ram 1500 plant that was hit, but also the F-150 Ford plant, along with GM's high profitability areas as well. So these workers are behind what they're seeing and what they're, they're hearing, uh, although a few of them have waned a little bit, stating that they're weary of how long the strike is going to go on. Will it go on till December? They're not sure. They want it to be over before the holidays. Meanwhile, Niall Maxwell, a Stellantis dealer in Pickup Heavy, Texas, said this, uh, dealers are at the mercy of the union and Stellantis. Well, he's pretty much right with that. The dealerships are. Although, this is interesting. A while back, we mentioned that EVs are building up inventory on dealer lots. Well, guess what? Uh, dealers still are heavy on pickup trucks at the dealership. In Texas, for instance, they used to have a 108-day supply in September. Currently, this is six weeks past, they have a 114-day supply. What gives? Now, there are some non-union employees that are stamping out metal and doing some things in the factories in order to keep some of these big three moving, but it's not at the full swing that, obviously, the, uh, the UAW workers can do. And so, where are we at? Well, Let's just talk in raw numbers for a second as far as financially where we're at. This new strike at Stellantis, uh, well, it takes their $110 million in operating earnings per week, uh, what they've been losing, to about $200 million a week. Get some of these numbers. The total economic losses from the UAW strike have reached about $9.3 billion, according to data released Monday by the Economic consultancy Anderson Economic Group. And with the Detroit three, that is the three manufacturers themselves, their losses have been about $4.18 billion. A lot of money lost. Now, we're talking a workforce of approximately 150,000 workers. Uh, we've got 57,000 at Ford, GM's 46,000, 43,000 at Stellantis. And here's another overbearing fact. It is not only just the big three that are being affected, but also the suppliers. There's a survey that recently found, uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, that 39% of suppliers have laid off workers. And that figure, they say, could rise to 70% by the end of October. That's a lot of workers across the nation that are being affected by the UAW strike on the big three. Well, Cruise, that is the, uh, it's actually a Chevy product, but it's actually a software it's all in one. It's the vehicle that's running around San Francisco delivering passengers here and there. Well, they admitted a key safety information piece in a video that they had to release to the DMV officials uh, in California. So a pedestrian was struck in San Francisco by another vehicle. Pedestrian rolled off the hood of the car and the cruise vehicle driving by ran over the person and stopped. And then assuming there was nothing wrong, continued to drag the person for another 20 feet or so uh, at seven miles an hour. Uh, they excluded that information. They didn't tell that to the DMV when they were talking about this accident report. Well, because of omission, because of just flat out being stupid, guess what? Crews got their license revoked by the DMV in California. 
I uh, I say bravo, DMV. Oh, wow. Bravo. I, I'm not a big fan of uh, autonomous vehicle driving right now. We're just not there yet, folks. We're just not there. Well, Tesla, speaking of autonomous and speaking of electric, Tesla reports their third quarter margins are lower. This is because of uh, the fact that they've keep dropping their price of their vehicles and so they're paying for it on the other side let's just get real with that one they're trying to compete in the marketplace and keep their share and in fact their net profit tumbled 44 percent to 1.9 million dollars in uh, steep price cuts across the company's lineup meanwhile in utah uh, you, you don't really hear about a lot of automotive news coming out of utah but the entire utah football team We'll get a Ram 1500 Bighorn truck. Uh, you read that right, or you you heard that right. I read that right. 85 scholarship players at the University of Utah's football team are getting a Ram 1500 Bighorn pickup to drive in one of the largest marketing deals with college athletes since the arrangements became allowed two years ago. That's Remember the NIL, the name, endorsement likeness, or whatever the thing's called? Um, it... Uh, it's about a $6 million deal per year. And the following year or two, they will roll those trucks off, get them new trucks, auction off the other trucks, and it's supposed to play out well. We'll see. Now, you think that's probably one of the biggest marketing deals ever? Well, get this. Hyundai, to uh, maybe up the ante a little bit, made a $55 million deal to put its name on Georgia Tech's football field. Not Georgia's, but Georgia Tech. It's a 20-year deal worth $55 million. Well, Tesla, let's bring them back in the news here. Their uh, crash repairs are costly, while other EVs near parity with gas vehicles. So in other words, there's Tesla. It costs X. Other EVs and gas vehicles are much lower. Let's say Tesla costs about $1,350 more in collision repairs than combustion vehicles in the third quarter. But non-Tesla EVs, cost just 269 more than gasoline cars on average. I, I love one of the uh, plays here as far as why Teslas uh, cost more. And it says this, these vehicles are on the cutting edge of all this safety technology and this digital connectivity car technology. And all of these are going to play a role when these vehicles are involved in a collision, says Ryan Mandel, Director of Claims Performance for Auto Physical Damage at Mitchell. Now, he, of all people, should know better. And I'm going to call the kettle black here. If you don't know this, I know this personally, Tesla has a comprehensive validation, I'll call it, protocol in how they get their vehicles fixed. If you are going to be a Tesla-authorized collision repair shop, you have to buy all this crazy kind of equipment. So the equipment is not only expensive, it's proprietary stuff and if you don't have this equipment you can't fix a tesla which means guess what the collision people are going to charge you more it only makes sense uh maybe tesla's cheap on the front end but it sounds like it might be expensive on the back end well stellantis again chrysler uh, fiat people uh have pulled out of ces that's the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, Tech Expo, that takes place in Vegas uh, once a year in January, February. I was planning on going to that this year, but we'll see. Anyhow, right now, Vegas is a mess with the uh, 
preparations for the Las Vegas Grand Prix, and I stayed away from SEMA this year, as it's going to be a juggernaut of traffic for sure. But getting back to the story at hand, Stellantis pulling out of CES, and the company said as to why they're not going, that it is executing comprehensive countermeasures to mitigate financial impacts and preserve capital, and will continue to demonstrate its transformation into mobility tech companies through other means. Well, they're not going to CES. That's the one mean they're not going to be doing. Back a ways, we've talked about this numerous times. We've talked about the EV tax credits. And I'm not going to go into the details. I'm just going to tell you that starting January 1st of 2024, the dealerships are now going to have answers how tax credits for new and used EVs can be transferred at the point of sale and how quickly they will be reimbursed by the U.S. government. I'm going to give you two pieces of information you might want to hang on to. That is IRS code section 30D, as in Delta. It's the tax credit for new EVs. You want to read up on that one. It talks about income level, talks about uh, eligibility, I'm sure, of cars as well, vehicles, the EVs. Also, IRS code section 25E or 25 Echo, that is the uh, tax credit for used EVs. Same thing. It's going to give you information if, in fact, you're going to be able to go into your dealership and immediately get that tax credit, well, credited to your vehicle purchase. Uh, so you don't have to wait. The dealership doesn't have to wait. Um, we just have to keep paying the tax bill. That was an editorial. Well, Ford is to idle a shift at its Michigan plant that builds the Ford F-150 Lightning EV. That's their electric pickup truck. Now, Ford is citing that multiple constraints such as supply chain issues will temporarily cut one of the three shifts at the factory, uh, but it will not be because of the UAW strike. They say it's unrelated. Maybe this is the reason why, and by the way, those 700 jobs that will be affected are going to be filtered into the other two shifts so that nobody will be, quote, out of a job. But uh, in a released memo that was uh, denied or declined to comment on by Ford, uh, it says, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that our sales for the Lightning have tanked. The memo said, according to the newspaper, uh, get this. The automaker said last week the F-150 Lightning EV U.S. sales fell by 46% in three months from uh, uh, ending in September 30th to 3,503 units. Now, the F-150 EV, this truck they're promoting all over the place and it's supposed to be the answer to the contractor it's only accounted for about two percent of all ford f series sales now according to the wall street journal reported uh, that a uaw official said in a memo that ford was considering canceling the shift this is prior to the cancellation citing slowing demand and indicated that the company was looking to build more gasoline powered trucks instead if you remember, we've reported here a while back that the F-150 was not doing well. Ford was really excited about their increase in, uh, in sales. And by the way, I get so tired of statistics. I'm sure you do too. We're going to hit one more on our final article here in just a moment. But when Ford says that sales are up, still up over 2022 levels, well, when they only sold, and I'm throwing a fictitious number out here, but let's say a thousand or a hundred trucks in 2022, and they then sell 500 trucks in 2023, of course sales are going to be up. But the EV was just getting started. 
Uh, Tesla Semi outperforms rivals in real-world tests. Here's another stat. This is a good one. And it was performed an 18-day study on EV trucks. That is semi-trucks. From PepsiCo, that which has the Tesla Semi, uh, there was a Volvo VNR Electric, a uh, Nikola BEV. There's a Freightliner, E-Cascadia, they call it. But the bottom line is they did this. They took these trucks. They had quite a few of them out there going through the study for about 18 days. And in the process, they were finding or trying to figure out how far these trucks could travel and how efficient they might be. Well, they <laughs> they came up with some numbers that I thought were pretty staggering. I mean, if you look at this graph, which I could hold up to the microphone, but it won't do either one of us any good. The, uh, the graph shows that the Tesla far and away outperforms any of the vehicles as far as miles driven. As a for instance, one PepsiCo Tesla traveled 1,076 miles in a single day with three relatively brief 750 kilowatt fast charging stints that brought the batteries charged to roughly 47%, then 89%, and then 52%. Um, again, the company said that 60% of the miles driven over the 18 days were with a gross vehicle weight close to the 80,000 pounds. It said it was about an average of 70,000. That is near the 82,000 pound limit, that is, for a zero emission semi-tractor-trailer combos. Here's the thing. These other trucks were doing short runs in the city. They weren't, they weren't going down the highway. In order to do 1,076 miles in a single day of 24 hours, you've got to have two drivers, obviously. You're not running around the city. You're going long haul, and you're averaging about 45 miles per hour. Um, I see how they worked it, and it looks all fine and dandy, but the other vehicles performed, believe it or not, relatively well as well. Here's the issue, or here's the thing. When measuring how a diesel truck performs as opposed to an electric vehicle, everybody wants to basically check the numbers against how long does a charge last compared to how long does the tank last. So in other words, you fill up your diesel truck and maybe you can run all week on your diesel. Well, in the case of the EV, you can't necessarily run all week. But what you can do is you can pull up to the spot that you're delivering and ideally plug in to the charger while you're unloading your freight and then unplug and keep moving on to your next destination and continue to do that inner city wise and you're always keeping your proverbial tank full. So they didn't consider that consideration of basically filling up your tank all the time with EV. Are they as efficient? Can you go the same distance? Not necessarily as you can with a diesel. But the efficiency of it in the city is ideally there. Optimally, if you charge it while you're unloading and moving freight around. It's an interesting study. Again, all the EVs did well. It's just Tesla shines because of the fact that it was able to go down the highway so much further because it was doing long hauls and not short hauls. Uh, by the way, the other trucks in question, uh, they're able to go long hauls too, uh, but they just weren't utilized that way because the company that owns them that was using them in the test were short-run companies. Well, that's the, the stat of the day, and we will be back soon here on Dr. Carcast with more automotive news updates.